Hello and welcome to episode three of Lead Better, Succeed Better, Stories of Sustainability. Today I'm talking to Tom Harris, Sustainability Manager of Premier League team Brighton and Hove Albion Football Club. Back in May of this year, Albion won silver for its commitments to sustainability at the annual Football Business Awards. In short, Albion's sustainability practices are a conscious effort to reduce the amount of single-use plastic used on match days, all food packaging is 100% recyclable and the draft beer is served in 100% biodegradable cups and no plastic straws are available and the whole club uses wooden cutlery. The commitment to sustainability extends to their Nike home and away kits which are crafted from recycled polyester and the club also uses 100% renewable energy to power the upgraded LEDs. The pitch is kept perfect by the use of electric mowers and the grounds and maintenance teams get around on electric buggies. And there are 400 solar panels on the training ground rooftop which reduce the club's carbon footprint. And that's not all. Albion was the winner for a Quality Diversion and Inclusion Award category. The club is properly committed to creating a positive impact on people and planet. Hi Tom, thanks for joining me today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into sustainability? Hi Laura, thanks for inviting me on your podcast today. I, I, it's really great to speak to you today. I've always had a strong interest in social and environmental issues from, from a very young age. I studied uh, an environmental degree at the University of Brighton and later on studied my Masters in Sustainability and Adaptation at the Centre for Alternative Technology. And since then, I've worked in a number of public and private sector roles, um, including everything from providing support and advice to families living in fuel poverty, through to delivering LED and solar installations at schools and council buildings, as well as consultancy to support organisations to develop and implement sustainability projects and strategies. Um, my current role at Brighton Hove Albion was a really great opportunity, it, bringing together two of my favourite things, a yeah, big football fan, and to bring sustainability into the Premier League, you know, it's a really great opportunity. And I also know how much the club means to people and what value it brings to the city. So it's a great opportunity and a real privilege for me to, to be able to work with the club and, and to build on some of the work that has been done already to, to make the club a more sustainable place. I think more widely there's a real momentum behind sustainability in sport at the moment um, and I think sport has a massive potential in being able to engage and inspire people to make positive change. Great. Can you tell us about your role as the sustainability manager for Brighton and Hove Albion and how has the club integrated sustainability into its operations? Yeah, absolutely. I've been in post for just over three months now. Um, it's a new role and really shows the club's commitment to becoming a more sustainable football club. As you mentioned, the club's been doing a lot of good work around sustainability already, but wanted to take a more strategic approach and to have someone who can dedicate their time and expertise to this area. And it's a journey, but obviously it's not the start of the journey and then we're really building on, on what's been done already. In terms of how it's integrated into the club and its operations, uh, sustainability is regularly discussed at board level and we have a, a established a, working, a sustainability working group to bring together heads of department to provide strategic guidance for this work. And my work over the next few months and years will be leading on the development of a sustainability strategy that sets out our own commitments and, and how we intend to achieve these, but also looking at how sustainability can be further integrated into the culture of, of the club. Can you tell us about any environmental certifications or awards Albion has gained? 
And um, also, are there any government or legal legislations in regards to sustainability you must comply with? Yeah, as you mentioned at the start, the, the club recently won a silver award for sustainability at the annual Football Business Awards. We recently came fifth in the Sports Positive League, which ranks clubs based on uh, you know a number of criteria from energy efficiency, biodiversity and travel. In terms of mandatory sort of legal compliance, we, we report on our scope one and two emissions through the government mandated streamlined energy and carbon reporting, SECRA for short, uh, which are published alongside the, the annual financial results. And we also carry out energy assessments every four years through the mandatory energy saving opportunity scheme, ESOS for short. The, the sustainability and energy world loves, loves their acronyms. Uh, and this includes submitting data on the club's annual energy consumption and carrying out energy audits by, uh, by an accredited assessor who then provides uh, recommendations around potential energy saving opportunities and an overview of the savings that, that could, can be achieved. We're also looking at other certifications such as ISO standards, uh, ISO 14001 in environmental management, for example, or, or B Corp, but also looking at other sustainability reporting standards to see which of these you know, best align with the club's values and, and support our approach to, to implementing sustainability. Football has a massive global fan base. How do you think the football industry can leverage this influence to promote sustainability and inspire positive change amongst supporters? You know, my, part of my role, as well as working to understand and reduce the club's own environmental impacts, part of my role will also be looking at how we can inspire and engage others to act on climate change. I think sport connects people you know, from all around the world and, and there are very few human activities, if any, that have such a large and global and diverse following. And it's really unique in that way, not only in the number of people it reaches, but, but the emotional connection people have with particular sports and teams. And I think there are a lot of sporting analogies that carry very well over into thinking about sustainability. I mean, ultimately, kind of sport generates hope. You know, hope that hard work can lead to improvement and success. Hope that you know recoveries and turnarounds are possible, and that that no cause is really lost until the game's actually over. And most importantly, that you know humans have the heart and the creativity and and the will to make things happen when it really comes down to it. As I mentioned earlier, I think sports in a real moment where it's starting to understand the scale of its contribution to climate change, but also what the effects of climate change will be on, on sport of all types. I think there's been some really innovative approaches by, by sporting organisations uh, around how they're educating and inspiring fans around sustainability. A few of these include Pledge Ball, a charity that aims to rally football fans to take their own climate action. It allows sport fans to pledge carbon reducing activities um, and they earn points for their team on a virtual leaderboard based on the emissions impacts that each team's pledges by their fans will have. Uh, another great example was, was the Reading uh, kit last year. Reading FC incorporated the climate stripes into its 2022-23 kit, displaying them prominently on their shirt sleeves. For those who don't know about that, the, the climate stripes are a visual aid created by Professor Ed Hawkins at the U University of Reading. And the climate stripes use colour to demonstrate the rate of warming since 1850, with red stripes showing the warmer years and blue the, co the cooler years. And it really shows the progress of the you know, temperature increases over the last few years, particularly the darker red stripes you know, in, in more recent years.
And finally, you know, the, the, the recent uh, action by the Women's World Cup players, you know, the largest climate action taken by sports people ever, uh, around, you know, 44 players at the Women's World Cup, uh, led by Sophie Junger Pedersen and facilitated by, by two organisations, Football for the Future and, and Common Goal. Players committed to mitigating the impact of their flight by donating money to climate resilient funds, adaptation and offsetting programmes. They did acknowledge the limitations of this action, but they, well, they wanted to demonstrate the kind of actions that they could take to, to mitigate the, the impact of their flights. And I think it's something that athletes are becoming more and more aware of particularly amongst the younger generation, you know, around issues around sponsorship and issues around travel. I think that's something that athletes are really coming to the front to to speak up about. Well, there's so much going on, isn't there, that you may not always know what steps organisations are are taking to, to mitigate climate change. Can you share with us the specific measures and strategies the club has implemented to reduce carbon emissions? And how did these initiatives align with the broader sustainability goals of the club and the sports industry? Yeah, sure. So, um, for example, the, the, the stadium and the training ground are both built to BREAM very good standard, um, which means they meet extensive sustainability-related standards in their construction and their operation. You mentioned already about the solar panels we have at our training ground. We use electric mowers and buggies for, for the ground's maintenance, which you know reduces the amount of fuel we use. We're continually upgrading uh, our, our lighting around the stadiums and the training grounds through LEDs. We work with energy management consultants who support us with the development of our infrastructure and improving our building services. They also look after our BMS, which is our building management system, and that enables really detailed control over things like heating and ventilation. And we use the building management system to control these settings based on the events and the times that people will be using different rooms and areas within the training ground and the stadium. Um, and these, these measures have all contributed to reductions in carbon emissions. Um, and, and things like the quality of our infrastructure and the, you know, the BMS, for example, really provide a strong foundation for future projects and for future carbon reduction activities. As you mentioned at the beginning as well, um, any electricity we do use is 100% renewable and backed up with Rego certification as well. The sports industry often involves extensive travel and resource consumption. It is estimated that football contributes around 0.3 to 0.4% of global emissions, with over 60% of this carbon footprint coming from travel to and from the games. How does Albion address these challenges and work towards becoming more sustainable? Yeah, absolutely. The, the sports industry has a, has a massive carbon footprint. I think um, David Goldblatt equates it to that of a small country. Um, and, and obviously travel is a, is, a, is a big part of that, as you, as you suggest. Um, and that's, that's travel by, by the teams, but also the fans as well. Team flights had a lot of news coverage this year. Um, we do fly as a club and, and there are logistical reasons uh, around this, particularly around travelling to teams north of London, but also in terms of making the most of player time and the effect on player performance. You know, club travel's a relatively small source of emissions, particularly when compared to fan travel. And that's not to try and shift the blame or to, to avoid the scrutiny of our own emissions, but just to give some context around the scale of the problem. Um, just for example, uh, Liverpool, um, who have a very comprehensive carbon footprint, 
their, their team flights account for around 755 tonnes of carbon, whereas their fan travel accounts for around 15,000 tonnes of, of, of carbon. So you can see the kind of the difference there. And, and when you think about the, the huge numbers of fans just in football tra who travel up and down the country each weekend to you know, visit football matches home and away, you can really see that it's a, you know, a significant source of emissions. And when you think about the number of people taking those journeys, it, it quickly adds up. And particularly for Brighton Hove Albion, you know, being on the south coast, we have further to travel to, to away grounds than, than some of the teams in London or the Midlands. Um, but also, you know, with the, the American Express Stadium being out of town, compared to a lot of football clubs where the stadium's more centrally located, that requires a, a journey uh, for fans you know, out, of, out, of the, out of town. And that's an area that, that since the stadium was constructed, that the club's done a huge amount of work on. We're actually the only club in the country to offer a free travel scheme for home and away fans and that allows fans to travel on trains and buses uh, within a 40 mile radius on, on match days and we think around 80 to 85 percent of people are traveling to the stadium by some form of, of low carbon transport whether that's uh, walking or cycling buses and trains but we're always looking to see how we can do better. Um, we're currently doing some work to look at where our fans travel from. Um, we're doing some mapping to understand what low carbon travel options they have available to them. And also identifying gaps in, in this provision to, so we can understand where we can target initiatives and projects in this area in the future. Financial considerations can sometimes conflict with sustainability efforts. How do you balance the club's financial objectives with its commitment to sustainability? And what long-term benefits do you see from this approach? Yeah, that's an interesting one. And I think sustainability is obviously about balancing economic, social and environmental factors rather than focusing on one at the expense of the other. You know, achieving the level of carbon reduction required for all organisations will require, you know, some level of capital investment, uh, you know, as all things do. But I always try and see it not as an either or, but look at projects with multiple co-benefits. So projects that not only reduce carbon, but also, you know, save save money, whether that's for the club or for, or for fans, but also, you know, projects that help benefit people's well-being or have a benefit for the local community. And I think, you know, more sustainable and resilient organisations are ultimately better prepared for the future. And, you know, this is a future where increasingly more consumers are, you know, demanding brands that have clearly defined values and that are taking action to reduce their environmental impacts and ultimately having a, you know, a positive social impact. You know, identifying projects that save money as well as carbon can be a really good springboard for proving the business case behind sustainability and, and providing another reason and another benefit to, to take that, that action. We all know that sustainability is a journey. What other sustainability measures will you be taking in the future? And I want to know, what's on your to-do list? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's, you know, it's, for me, it's still very early days, but we, we are going through a process of in, engagement with our, with our staff, our fans and our partners um, to understand you know, what, what matters to them, but also to get their, their buy-in for this work. Um, and we're, you know, for all that, we're, we're looking to launch a, a staff environmental network group to give a, give a place for, for, 
staff who have an interest in environment and sustainability to to come and, and, and talk and to input into, into this strategy, but also through staff training and through start other ways of staff engagement to, to get their views and to, to ultimately get them more involved in this, this journey that we're all on. Um, further to that, I think uh, I'm currently working on calculating our carbon footprint. As I mentioned earlier, we, we already do publish our scope one and two emissions through the SECRA reporting, but some of it's a little bit more complex and requires a little bit more data collection and, and analysis. Um, for example, you know, the emissions resulting from our supply chain, you know, the, the stuff we buy ultimately, and also understanding you know, emissions from fan travel better as well, uh, and, and building up a, a much more complete picture of, of our carbon footprint across all those different areas. And I think finally, you know, it helps us to have a good understanding of, of our carbon hotspots um, and it's essential for targeting projects and initiatives in a, in a cost-effective way. It's also important for establishing a baseline and having a consistent methodology to me measure our carbon footprint moving forward and you know, reporting against our performance and the targets that we set ourselves as well. And finally, do you have any sports sustainability tips that you can share with our listeners? Yeah, that's a great question. I've got a, I've got a tip for both fans and also sporting organisations as well. Uh, for fans, um, as we mentioned earlier, the, you know, the impact of fan travel is, is massive. So one of the tips I'd like to suggest to listeners is think about how you travel to sporting events, whether that's you know, your, your local training sessions or you know, traveling to, to uh, you know, watch your local Premier League match. Think about options such as walking, cycling and public transport, which are kind of the, the preferable options. But also, you know, possibly consider car sharing. It's a great way to, you know, to meet like-minded people and it's a great way to reduce emissions. You know, if you think about the number of uh, cars that can be taken off the road, people travel not one person per car, but, you know, three or four people, you're really reducing, you know, reducing that by a quarter, you know, and the associated emissions as well. And for organisations, I think, particularly looking at supply chain, your, your scope three emissions, I think often that is a part of the picture that, that is not, not looked at so much. I think often the focus is much more on gas and electricity and, and fuel, which are things that are much easier to, to measure and quantify. But I think the research is suggesting more and more that you know, a lot of the carbon emissions are really associated with, with that, the scope three, particularly supply chain and, and you know, in sports case, you know, particularly fan travel as well. Okay, brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us today, Tom. It's been wonderful to hear about all the initiatives that Brighton and Hove Albion are taking. And it's been a pleasure to have you. So thanks. Thank you for having me, Laura.